Welcome to the Clifford Chance podcast, where our experts discuss pressing issues and trends faced by the business world today. Thank you for joining us. Today, we're going to be discussing two public consultations that the European Commission launched at the start of June and which could have a profound impact on the tax sector, but also more broadly. The two consultations are being run by different parts of the European Commission, and there are clear overlaps between the two in terms of some of the issues that they're seeking to address. Both consultations are open until September, so if you think you'd like to participate in this process, now is the time to do it. And of course, our team is here to advise you should you want any help. I'll now introduce my colleagues who are going to talk us through these proposals and tell us what to watch out for. So, uh, first of all, we've got Michel Petit, who's of counsel in our Paris office. And prior to joining us, he had a long and distinguished career in the European Commission, including running the legal service. Katrin Schallenberg is a partner in our antitrust practice in Paris. Katrin will tell us what the proposals mean for sectors beyond tech. Ashwin van Royen is counsel in our Brussels antitrust practice and advises clients in the tech sector on competition and regulatory matters. And finally, Stavroula Vrina is an associate in our antitrust practice in London, and Stavroula will give us some insights into the UK competition regime, which appears to be the inspiration for the Commission's proposals on new uh, competition powers. My name is Gail Orton, and I'm head of EU public policy here at Clifford Chance. We have quite a lot to cover, so without further ado, let's get going. Ashwin, perhaps I can start with you. Uh, could you give us an overview of the two proposals the Commission is considering? Sure. Um, so we have, as you said, we have two legislative proposals that are still very preliminary. Um, and the European Commission is very interested in people's views on, on both proposals. Quite possible that only one of those proposals will make it. It's also possible that both of them will make it. Um, and I guess we can't exclude the possibility that neither of them will make it. Um, but irrespective of whether your view is that one or both or neither should make it, 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 it probably makes sense to make those views known uh, through the consultation. I think that's a very good process to, um, to make views known and to help shape the legislative process. The, the two proposals are, on the one hand, the Digital Services Act or a telecommunications style regulation. I'll come back to what that means. And on the other side, we have the new competition tool, which is a an investigation-based mechanism for the European Commission to investigate a market and impose remedies where there are structural market failures. And those sound perhaps a bit abstract. I think the easiest way to distinguish between the two proposals, perhaps, is to say that the the first, the telecommunication style uh, regulation, um, is an instrument where obligations would be imposed on market players and likely mostly digital platforms up front, where to some extent at least it would be clear from the legislation in advance what obligations apply. Whereas the second, the new competition tool, um, it would not be clear what obligations will be imposed on players in a particular market, but rather the European Commission would first investigate potential market failures and impose remedies tailored to the problems it has identified after that investigation. You could call it a bit more of a case-by-case -case approach, um, but in any event, the difference is 
that in the first first tool, the obligations would be to some extent known in advance, and in the second tool, the obligations would only become known after an investigation. Uh, both tools, as as will be obvious from a, from having a look at the consultations, both tools. Um, are presented with various options, almost as, as if one is buying a car. Uh, there are various flavors of both tools being proposed. Uh, and so without taking into account all those options, um, I think the reality is that we're looking at a spectrum of potential, potential uh, legislation ranging from very clear ex ante rules to very tailored obligations on the other end of the spectrum. But they do have certain things in common. Um, mostly the idea behind both proposals is that these proposals would allow the European Commission to intervene in markets much more quickly than it can, especially based on the existing uh, competition law enforcement framework, where the European Commission investigates cases and then usually after several years, comes to a conclusion and imposes remedies. That process um, is deemed by many to be too lengthy. And so both of these proposals that are now being presented would allow the Commission to intervene more quickly. And I think there is also uh, the, the idea that both, both proposals would allow the European Commission to impose obligations that are more effective than perhaps what they could achieve in the current framework. And um, that's an interesting um, point you end on there, Ashram, because with your experience of various tech-related competition investigations, why do you think the Commission has come to the conclusion that, in fact, what it needs is more powers? I think there's two elements to that, um, which I can expand on. First, speed, and second, effectiveness of remedies. Um, a lot of these tech cases that the European Commission has investigated um, you know, Microsoft and Google come to mind, and, and as most people know, the Commission is now also investigating Apple uh, on a complaint from uh, Spotify. Uh, in most of these cases, there is this important notion of, of network effects, where a, a technology platform becomes bigger and bigger and more powerful as more users join the platform. Um, those platforms simply become more useful to other users as more people join the platform. And that can create a sort of a flywheel effect uh, where one platform becomes bigger. Um, and at the same time, competing platforms may find it more and more difficult to establish themselves in the market. Um, and that can create what is technically known as, as tipping, where one platform sort of takes over, um, having gained so many users that it is impossible for others effectively to compete. And that tipping risk is, in essence, introduces a need to intervene quickly. If you wait too long, the tipping will have happened already. And so what is clear from the, uh, the, the press releases that accompany these consultations is that the European Commission is particularly concerned about its, its ability to intervene quickly to avoid such tipping uh, and to intervene at a stage where you know where intervention is still meaningful, um, and, and I think the existing framework that the European Commission has been applying in these cases that I mentioned, Microsoft, Google, uh, currently Spotify, 
uh, illustrate that to some extent. Um, the Google case, for example, our office was uh, very deeply involved in, was was launched after a complaint from a an organization called FairSearch. That complaint was lodged in 2013. Uh, the, the, the European Commission investigated and ultimately found that Google was in the wrong, but that wasn't until 2018. Currently, that decision is being appealed before the general courts, and that could still take some more time. And then, of course, there is a ability to appeal further to the Court of Justice. So these cases can easily take 10 years. And in technology markets in particular, 10 years is a long time. Uh, you know, stuff happens in a 10-year time frame. So uh, I think that explains why the Commission wants to be able to pump the brakes, if you will, uh, more quickly. And so these two tools are designed to do just that. The other element, as I mentioned, is effectiveness of, of remedies. Um, I think there is a perception, at least, that in, in some previous competition law cases, the remedies that the European Commission ultimately imposed on the companies didn't do enough to really address the problems that the European Commission had identified. Um, and so both of these new uh, tools that are being uh, tested now are designed in part to to uh, address those that problem as well and, and impose uh, obligations that may not yet be available or may not yet be available at the same speed um, as the current competition law framework. And Michel, it's interesting, isn't it, that we have two proposals, two consultations covering some similar and overlapping points that are being run by two different departments of the Commission. What, what do you think is going on here? Well, indeed, they have been launched on the same day, uh, so it's the same apparent timing, at least for the moment. And this suggests that they are viewed by the Commission as uh, complementary, not rivals, uh, which is correct, I think. The Digital Services Act is a normal, classical uh, harmonization of law. Uh, in the view of many, it's long overdue because the e-commerce directive is now 20 years old and uh, full of gaps mostly of which have appeared uh, in between or recently, and it has proven difficult to implement from the beginning. Uh, very few uh, infringement um, from the Commission on member states and a lot of freewheeling on it. Uh, also, because it is old, member states are uh, now in the business of issuing diverging types of new regulation, which do create uh, new cross-border barriers. So in a way, uh, the Digital Services Act seems to me a normal uh, update, uh, which is probably uh, complex and uh, entering into new fields, but uh, certainly necessary. As for the new competition tool, uh, it seems aimed at treating uh, almost pathological cases, uh, pathological although without any recorded infringement yet. That's the theory of the new competition tool uh, through new powers given to the Commission. And uh, this is a, the complement or the supplement which is viewed as 
uh, more efficient and probably allowing uh, ex-ante control of, in particular, dominance or potential dominance cases. Now, <clears throat> they are probably complementary or supplementary, uh, but if they are presented as rival propositions, uh, maybe it will create some rivalry between the two tools, even internally in the Commission. But what is true uh, is that their coexistence will need to be closely monitored in order to avoid overlaps. And that is going to be uh, the job of the present consultation and later legislative process, I would say. Thank you, Michel. And Stavrula, let's come now to the inspiration for what the Commission is considering in the area of competition. There's already something similar in the UK. Can you tell us a little bit about how that works? So the new competition tool seems to have been inspired by the market investigations regime. Uh, the market investigations regime was introduced in the UK in the early 2000s. And it's a relatively unique regime. Uh, only a few EU member states, as, as I understand it, have something similar. So at a very high level, in the UK, a market can be referred to the competition regulator for an in-depth market investigation when there's reasonable grounds for suspecting that a feature of the market restricts competition in the UK. So this is a more holistic tool. It does not look at violations of competition law, but rather it seeks to kind of engineer well-functioning competition. The market investigation tool is horizontal. Uh, it, does, it applies to all sectors of the economy, and it does not require a binding of dominance. So in that sense, it's uh, very close to option three of the Commission's uh, new competition tool proposal. One of the key characteristics of a UK market investigation is that at the end of it, the CMA can impose legally binding remedies, including both structural and behavioural remedies. And interestingly, in fact, the CMA has not shied away from imposing structural remedies where it felt that this was necessary and proportionate. For example, we have the, the BAA market investigation, which resulted in the divestment of uh, several uh, UK airports to address uh, competition concerns. So to impose those remedies, the CMA asked the question whether, on a balance of probabilities, certain features of a market will lead to an adverse effect on competition. So we, we still have an effect-based test there. Um, finally, and, and in the context of, of the Commission's focus on digital markets, which seems to be at the heart of the new competition tool, it's, it's worth noting that the UK market investigations regime has not particularly been used in digital markets and, and against platforms. In fact, uh, uh, in July uh, 2020, the CMA refused to open a market investigation into the digital advertising sector because it felt that it was reassured by the commitment of the British government to take legislative initiatives in the digital economy. In addition, market investigations have been used much less in the last five years than previously. And in fact, the, the CMA's chairman had expressed concerns that the system is insufficiently flexible, in, in particular, to deal with digital markets. And also, it's, it's also worth noting that it, it has not, it's not a regime that has been used in particular to target tipping markets, which, which seems to also motivate the Commission's uh, new competition tool proposal. It has focused on, as Michelle said, 
on kind of pathological cases of long-established markets that have failed to respond to other types of intervention, for example, retail banking or, or energy. Several so, is that easy enough to replicate, do you think, at the EU level? What are your thoughts on that? Well, the, the UK regime has been in place for a long time and it has been tested. So there are important lessons that the Commission can draw from it in designing the new competition tool um, without, of course, advocating for an uncritical transposition of it in, in the EU. Um, for example, one of the key stated aims of the new competition tool that, that can be informed by the market investigation regime in the UK is uh, the swiftness of intervention in digital markets. One of the concerns that the European Commission has expressed is that um, sometimes competition enforcement under the traditional competition tools uh, tends to come too late in digital markets. The UK regime is designed to speed up intervention by imposing statutory time limits for the completion of uh, key parts of market investigations, including uh, issuing a final report on the market investigation itself, but even more critically, the, the implementation of the remedies. However, it's important to emphasize that even in the UK, those time limits have been criticized as still not adequately, uh, as still not being adequately swift for the digital economy. So one thing for the Commission to consider and potentially also for, for our clients to consider when responding to this consultation is measures to speed up intervention um, through the new competition tool and whether statutory time limits are appropriate and potentially what we can combine those statutory time limits with to make sure that they're fit for the digital economy. One idea would be, for example, a greater role for interim measures. At the same time, um, there are differences between the EU legal order and the UK legal order that uh, our clients need to be, to be aware of um, when responding to this consultation. For example, uh, in the UK, uh, the Competition Appeal Tribunal, which is the instrument that... Um, exercise the judicial review against those market investigations has tended in the past to be a lot more interventionist compared to the intervention that the EU courts have exercised um, against the Commission's decisions. So in practice, this, this could potentially pose a, kind of a much greater risk um, for um, clients than the UK uh, market investigations regime does. And Michelle, what... Um... What, what do you make of that? Is there anything to be learned from the UK system or how do you think this will be transposed at an EU level? Well, I, I think that independently um, from the UK experience, um, it must be said that the risk for the new competition tool is the risk of very high discretionary powers given to the Commission. Uh, in a way, it already exists for opening inquiries under the normal competition system, but there, um, without any infringement, uh, you are really talking about powers to the Commission which could be used in a very discretionary way uh, it is true that the general court in practice does hold the commission to account, but often it does so very late. And to a large extent, my impression is that indeed part of the answer to these sort of potential discretionary uh, powers is going to 
B, to reduce delays for judgment for, gen for the general court, and probably also to make sure that uh, there are very recognizable criteria around the new tool, uh, thresholds for using it, uh, boundaries with Article 102, etc. Uh, all these criteria will be essential to allow the general court to be able to act quickly and, uh, and substantially on uh, the European Commission uh, intervention under the new act. So I think it is workable, but it certainly needs uh, in particular to narrow down the criteria for the use of the tool in a very objective manner so that it can be used safely. Thanks, Michelle. That's um, great insights there. Um, Katrin, let's, um, we've seen a lot of press coverage of these new powers that was, um, refer to um, Executive Vice President Veste as eagerness to tackle dominance by US tech companies. Um, we heard from Stavula that the UK um, instrument is a horizontal one. Uh, what would be the implications in the European Union for other sectors beyond tech? Yes, Gail. Um, it's certainly where the idea came from to tackle tech companies and to a large extent they are US, they are US tech companies. But um, once adopted, the risk is certainly that it will apply to other sectors. Um, I, I cannot see how such a tool could be in any way limited to a certain sector. Um, even when we talk about tech, the tech sector or the digital sector nowadays, you know, that's not clear what that means. And uh, other sectors should be alert to that tool. Um, and I can see a lot of our clients from non-tech sectors watching this space carefully as they should be because I do think this will ultimately be a much broader debate. Sure, so um, which other sectors do you think um, should be paying particular attention? Are there any that, have, um, that are in the sites of the Commission, do you think? Well, if you currently look at what the Commission is doing, there are certainly, there are certainly trends that we can see, uh, which are from the pharmaceutical sector, um, agriculture, but I don't think it is any, in any way limited because what is today um, under scrutiny uh, doesn't mean uh, that other sectors won't get under scrutiny in uh, a year, two years or five years from now. And there will be no time limit to the, the um, tool. So um, I think all sectors should be um, interested and should have a say because it will not be in any way limited, as I say. Yeah. And we've seen that, haven't we, in the in the range of responses to the first phase of the consultation yeah, absolutely. with yeah, with many different sectors um taking part. Um now Michelle, an important point for our listeners to remember is that these new powers aren't granted overnight and legislation isn't adopted overnight. So um this is very much the start of a process. Um do you want to talk us through a little bit about that process and how all of this would come into play? Yes. Um, well, the, the Commission seems to be in, in the mood of acting quickly. Uh, <clears throat> I understand the proposals are scheduled for the end of this year, 2020. Uh, this will be challenging, but I understand that a lot of preparatory work uh, has already been done uh, over the past years, and not only 
uh, under the present sort of consultative process. Uh, so it will start by the end of the year and uh, it will go through the legislative process. Uh, then the next question is more complicated. What legislative process? Uh, both proposals are tabled under around, uh, around Article 114 of the treaty, which is the article on the internal market. Uh, this means normal legislative procedure, uh, namely the European Parliament and a qualified majority voting in council. This is a, a sort of a, um, efficient way of legislating, in particular QMV in council uh, makes for a lot of, uh, well, of movement forward uh, for any legislative process. Now, this legal base is absolutely logical for the Digital Services Act, which is indeed harmonization of legislation, which is what Article 114 is about. But it is going to be controversial for the new competition tool. And uh, as we've seen in many occasions before, including in particular on the merger regulation itself, many member states and probably uh, the legal service of the council will argue that a new tool is precisely not harmonization and that uh, the right legal base for it is the so-called flexibility clause, uh, which allows the union uh, to act uh, where it proves necessary within its policies and for which the treaty has not provided the necessary powers. Uh, the counterpart for that is unanimity at council and consent of the European Parliament, but mostly unanimity in council, which is much more difficult to attain. And as a result of, these, uh, of this sort of controversy, which we can expect on the new competition tool, I think a, an important issue is going to be whether the two proposals are, <clears throat> are linked and conducted in a sort of simultaneous way, uh, because if that is the case, then the risk is that due to the probable controversy over unanimity on the competition tool, uh, both proposals could be, if they are linked uh, or completely linked, uh, in a way dependent on a unanimity in the council. Or will they have a separate legislative life um, and there you find again uh, what we raised a little bit earlier on uh, the issue of their boundaries. Uh, can one be implemented without the other uh, or not? Uh, it would probably be wise to have them uh, available separately if necessary, I think. But future will tell. As for the timing, any legislative process is a matter of Around, around two years, basically. So that's more or less the timing we can expect. And Michelle, given that timing, I think that makes it really important that um, companies pay attention um, to this process now. 
because I agree with you on the tool um, and the uncertainties around uh, the legal basis and how the Commission will adopt it. Given the uh, consequences for companies and the uh, quite significant powers that the Commission will gain through this new tool, potentially gain through this new tool, I think it's really important that um, we, all of us, lawyers and companies, um, watch closely and contribute to the consultation process. Uh, because, you know, Michelle, what you said about judicial review is true, and maybe there, there will be that mechanism. Um, but nevertheless, we all know that once you get drawn into an investigation by the commission like this, this will mean a very time-consuming and long process. And anyone who's ever been subject to an, a UK market investigation will know what uh, what I'm talking about, and given that the Commission will be dealing with a much larger market um, than just the UK, we can all imagine that that's going to be even more burdensome for companies. And so um, I would just say, watch that space, and um, let's all contribute to that consultation process. Absolutely. Thank you all for sharing your thoughts and insights today. Um, we've had a, a great discussion about the public consultations that are being run by the European Commission, the intentions behind them and um, where the uh, inspiration for this has come from, uh, notably the UK experience of the market investigation tool. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the sectors that are impacted and we've had a look ahead at the legislative process and the many months of discussion that will take place uh, in the institutions. We've also um, talked uh, at various points throughout this discussion about the importance of getting involved in this process and in particular the importance of getting involved early on uh, in order to have a maximum influence over the direction of travel. Um, thank you to our listeners uh, for joining us uh, on this Clifford Chance podcast. If you'd like to discuss these issues with any of us, please feel free to get in touch. Our contact details will be available on the Clifford Chance website. You've been listening to the Clifford Chance podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast by visiting cliffordchance.com and you can also follow us on LinkedIn. Until next time.